You're listening to a message from South Hills Church in Burbank, California. For more information about South Hills, check out SouthHillsBurbank.com. Sorry. Um, hey, uh, we're so glad you're here. My name is Dave Stewart. I'm the campus pastor here, and um, uh, hopefully you already can realize uh, you can relax uh, if you have any tension about being in church. Uh, just relax. Nobody is uh, worried about anything. And uh, we have yet to see anyone burst into flames by walking through our doors. So uh, you are just fine. Uh, we're going to jump into the series. We've been in the series for uh, three weeks now called Reception. We're talking about how to hear the voice of God. And uh, if you're a note taker, I want to encourage you to write some things down. If you need a sheet of paper to write on, there's some hanging on the back wall next to the shelves and the baskets. There's note sheets. Uh, or on the back of the Stay Connected sheet that you grab when you walk in. Uh, If you need a Bible, please grab one off the back shelf as well. If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you this morning, so keep it, please. And uh, if you are not a quick note taker, you don't like to write, then feel free to take pictures of the screen. That's not distracting or it won't throw us off. Just turn your flash off if you would. Uh, That way uh, you don't blind me and then throw me off. So uh, that's all I ask. Um, We... This has been a really great series. I've had a a lot of really amazing feedback and conversation with people about um, how they didn't know God was speaking in their lives and things that they were going through that they didn't realize were were really moments where they were hearing God clearly speak to them. And I know um, as face value, when you you hear somebody talk about hearing God's voice, it it sounds weird. It, It feels odd that you could actually hear the voice of God and if you're kind of on the fence about God and his existence and Jesus and the whole church thing, but you just find yourself here this morning for whatever reason, um, it's easy to dismiss. But I, I understand and I get it, but I believe that God speaks to us constantly through, through a lot of different ways, a lot of different methods. And so throughout this series, if you want to go back and listen through the podcast, you can. Throughout this series, we've been talking about how God speaks to us, that God speaks to us through scripture, the Bible, his word. He speaks to us through us taking the time to read and understand what he was speaking and that some of the things that he said thousands of years ago still apply to us today. We talked about how God speaks to us through others, that when we know how to filter the voices in our life of who's speaking and who's getting influence in our life, that we we start to learn how to decipher God's voice through other people. Last week, we talked about how God speaks to us through our giftings and our talents and they've been trying to understand what God wants for them in the next step of their life. And uh, I sent them a, a spiritual gifts test and a personality profile. And we actually sat down this week and we met. And it was really amazing to see exactly how God has gifted that person and given them unique abilities and things that they deeply care about. And those are the exact things that they were wanting to try to figure out how to do in church and to serve God. And, and their talents and their giftings was exactly how God was speaking to them. And then today we're going to talk about something that may be, uh, it, it, it probably won't make you super happy. I'll just be honest. Uh, you're going to be a little frustrated that God will speak to you and I oftentimes through obstacles. He'll speak to us through trials. He'll speak to us through difficulties. And life is full of difficulties. And too many times we look at the difficulties in life and we just get frustrated with them. And we just, we don't want them to happen anymore. We want to move on. We want to get it out of the way. We don't like going through pain. We don't like experiencing frustration. And we would rather life be simple. But it's not. And so how do we hear God's voice in those moments? Because I firmly believe that God will speak to you 
through the obstacles and through the pain and through the challenge and through the open door opportunities that present themselves to you. And so this morning, that's where we're going to go. If you, uh, if you have a Bible, if you have an app that you follow along with, feel free to go to Acts chapter 16. We're going to get there in just a few moments. So we'll get, uh, get there to Acts chapter 16. But I don't know if you ever had one of these types of moments in your life where you had to make a choice between you know, two things. Maybe it's more than two, but oftentimes there's two things in life that we have to choose from. And those two things are both good things. They're both good options, but you're trying to figure out which one you should do. And the longer you just think about it, the longer you try to figure it out, they're both equally appealing. They're both good. It's not like one's really good and one's horrible. It's that they're both good, they're both appealing, but you're scared to make the wrong choice, so you don't make a choice. You kind of, you kind of just wait, and you, you freeze a little bit, because you don't really want to make the wrong choice. We're all afraid of making the wrong choice, and so you just don't make a choice, which is actually making a choice of neither. But maybe you've stood in line somewhere wanting to purchase something. Maybe you stood at the counter just eyeballing those two last donuts trying to figure out which one you want. And you don't want to make a choice because they both are appealing and you like both of them. And then somebody swoops in and takes one. And then the one that's left, you realize, I don't want that one. I wanted the other one. And that's what you tell yourself. And so you get frustrated. Or maybe you, I do this all the time. I, I put stuff in my online cart. I'll go online to buy something and I'll put it in my cart. And I'll think about it, and I'll think, oh, you know, I could probably get a better deal somewhere, and I'll look around, and I won't find one, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, that's probably the best option, and so I go back to get it, and I hit purchase, and it says item unavailable. I do this all the time. I, I have not learned my lesson to just make quicker decisions, although I'm saving a lot of money by doing that. <laughs> or maybe for you, it was, you know, in your school days, and you had two people that you really liked equally and you wanted to ask one of them to homecoming or one of them to prom or maybe you wanted to ask one of them to marry you if that's your story let's talk because there's there's a movie in there somewhere <laughs> but maybe there was two people and you you didn't know which one to ask because you didn't want to hurt the other's feelings and it was both a good decision you could go either way but you weren't sure and somebody else asked one or asked both before you could ask and you ended up going to prom with your mom I don't know if that's your story <laughs> But see, in life, we face with choices. And oftentimes, they're both good possibilities. They're both, they both have potential, but we're not sure what to do. And here's what I've learned, is that sometimes our fear of doing the wrong thing will keep us from doing anything. Fear of making a bad decision will paralyze us to make no decision. Even when the decision, either decision could be good, even when one of them is absolutely what God would want you to do. We don't make a decision because we get paralyzed with fear. Should I go to this college or that? Should I get into this master's program or that one? Should I take this job or hold out for the one that I really want? Should I prioritize this to do right now or should I put it off to do later? Should I double down on my career even though it's not going well? Or should I choose a whole new path altogether right now? Should I continue in a flawed relationship trying to just figure it out? Or should I face my fear of possibly being alone for a little while? You see, we, we have these decisions that we have to make. And they're not always right versus wrong or good versus bad. Sometimes they're both could be potentially good. 
And we get paralyzed and frozen by the fear of doing the wrong thing, so we simply do nothing. And most of us in this room, I firmly believe that most of us have this inner compass that that will direct us. It'll guide us to the thing that we should do. And deep down, if you, if you had to choose one, you, you probably know the one that you should choose. I think most of us have a good enough sense of basic direction in life that we know what we should do. But oftentimes what happens is that we get hung up on the details. We want to know all that we need to know, and we want to know how it's going to play out. We want to understand it. Well, if I do this, then how's it going to work? And, and so we get hung up on all the details, and the details are what really keeps us from making a decision. Some details you simply will never know. Some details you can't figure out. Some details God doesn't want you to know yet until you choose, until you step in a certain direction. So how do you and I know if we're making the right decision right now? How do you and I figure out if we are making the right decision right now, at this point in our lives, at this time in our lives, at this point in our careers? How do we know if we're making the right decisions now? And how do we keep from the paranoia that is surrounding making the wrong decision that paralyzes us? And how do you know? How do you know you're hearing the voice of God in any of it? How do you know you're hearing the voice of God in big life decisions, in the choices that alter life altogether? Well, there's a passage in Acts chapter 16. There's a story that begins to unfold in front of us that we're going to read in Acts chapter 16. And in this story, the apostle Paul is doing exactly what God called him to do. And what God called him to do is what Jesus left for the apostles to do. So let me give you the kind of a backstory here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, the four stories of Jesus written from four different perspectives. That's what we find in the New Testament. When we open up the Bible, we start reading the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the first four books that you'll come across. And those are, those are stories written by men who are disciples that follow Jesus. They're firsthand eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life. And what we find is at the end of the Gospels, Jesus goes to heaven. He dies on a cross. He gets buried in a tomb. He comes out of the tomb, does the thing that nobody's ever done before. It's the shocker. Nobody's ever experienced this. Jesus talks to his disciples for a while. And then he says, hey, I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to leave. And I want you guys to do something while I'm gone. I want you to go. And this is all he says. I want you to go. Go into all the world. Okay, where should I go first? And he doesn't say anything. He just, he goes. So he tells the disciples, I want you to go and I want you to do. I want you to preach the gospel to everyone. I want you to go reach people that are far from me. I want you to go and help people live a better life. I want you to go and do. And then he ascends into heaven. And I think the disciples were like waiting for something else. Like, was it going to be like Jesus went up and then like a, a three-ring binder came down? Like where there's like an instruction manual that they were going to pass one another on the way? Or, or like was he sending somebody else to take his place? So like they were going to pass each other, high five in the air, and then like go the other direction. Like I think they were waiting for something, but there was nothing coming to them with instructions, with directions. So disciples had to do what they thought was best. They had to make a lot of choices without knowing all of the details. 
And so in Acts chapter 16, we find that the leadership of the early church, that's what the book of Acts is. It's the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the early church. If you haven't read the book of Acts, I strongly encourage you to sit down over your holiday weekend when you have a little bit more free time and just read the book of Acts. It's incredible what God does in the early church. But we find in the book of Acts in chapter, chapter 16, all of a sudden the leadership of the church is doing what God told them to do. They're going into all the world. They branch out of just Jerusalem and the Jewish faith and they start reaching Gentiles and all the word Gentile means is non-Jew. So they're reaching the rest of the known world and Paul becomes one of the leaders of reaching people that are outside of the Jewish faith. So Paul is doing exactly what Jesus told the disciples to do, exactly what God had told him to do. And he's going into all the world and he's preaching the gospel. He's encouraging the local church. He's building the local church. So check this out. Acts chapter 16, verses 4 and 5. If you don't have a a Bible or a device, just look at the screen. It'll come up behind me. It says, Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. This is Paul and Silas. That's the they in in this verse. So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they grew larger every day. That is like every pastor's life verse right there. Every day they were strengthened in their faith and they grew larger every day. That is every pastor in the world. That is your heart's desire to see that happen. And that's exactly what's happening with Paul and Silas. They're traveling around. They're going from church to church, city to city, place to place. They're planting new churches. They're encouraging the churches that were already existing. And the church is growing. They're growing in their faith. They're growing in their understanding of Jesus. They're growing in their understanding of grace. They're growing in their understanding of God. And they're growing in number. They're increasing. Paul and Silas had a very clear mission, a very clear calling of what their lives were supposed to be about. They knew exactly what they were supposed to do. They knew exactly who they were supposed to be. They knew exactly where they were, or what, what they were supposed to be all about. They were about instructing, about strengthening, about growing the local church. So they knew exactly what to do, They knew the why, and they knew the how. They had the general idea, general instructions, the general direction of where they were supposed to go, but they didn't know always where and when. They didn't have the specifics. They didn't have the specific details necessary to know exactly where to go and when to be there. Which church do you go to first? Which city do you just pop in on? Should you send a letter ahead? Should you call ahead? Like, should you let them know you're on your way? Do you, do you just go to this place? And then how long do you stay when you get there? See, there were a lot of details of where and when that were not specified to Paul and Silas. So they had to make decisions on what they felt was best. So let's see what they do. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10 says this. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Uh, Phrygia, and I'll just tell you now, I'm not the great pronunciator of difficult Bible names. So uh, if if you're upset by that, just Google search it and it'll tell you exactly how to say it. So we're just going to go with Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Now, you may just like read that verse and think, okay, what's next? You need to understand that the Holy Spirit prevents them from doing what they felt they were supposed to do at that time. Their mission, their objective was to go and do. And that's what they're trying to go and do. So they're trying to go to this city and they're trying to preach the gospel. They're trying to encourage the church there. 
but something is keeping them from going. Now, I don't know what this looks like. I don't know what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to prevent them. Verse 7, then coming to the borders of Mysia, and, and they headed north to the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. That, that, feels, that feels harsh. That's like strong, very strong language. That the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through uh, Mysia into the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision that a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided, now it shifts tense here, it says now, so we decided, the writer here is Luke, and Luke is now going to be part of this journey. Luke is going to join up with Paul and Silas, so the language shifts from Paul and Silas to we. We decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So what's happening? Paul and Silas are doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. To go and do. Go preach. Go reach people. Go share the gospel. And they're trying to go and do that. And they are doing that in certain places, and it's working. And then they try to go to another place, and they can't get there. Nothing's working. There's some type of obstacle in their way. There's something in their way that's challenging them from doing and accomplishing what they were supposed to do. Now, I have no idea what this looks like. I wish that scripture was like more specific. I wish it said how the Holy Spirit kept them from there. I don't know if it was like, was there like a, a force field that they bumped into and they just couldn't get past it? Was it a, a hologram projection of Jesus that appeared and you know, kind of Star Wars-esque, and he just kind of appears, and he, he tells them not to go into this place. I don't know what it was. But for whatever reason, whatever they were trying to do wasn't working, and they knew that this was not where they should be. But Paul has this vision. This is Paul's second of the six visions that he has that's recorded in Scripture. And so in this vision, he gets a very clear understanding from God of where to go. Now, the thought of a vision that might seem like, like spooky, spiritual, kind of weird, it's, it's probably a dream. He probably had a very vivid dream, and God was speaking to him through this dream. Which might make some of you worried that you're like, wait a second, so are all dreams from God? Because I had a super weird dream last night, and that is, I feel like that's not from God. Probably not. It's probably bad food or something that you ate the night before, so... Just know not all dreams are from God, but this dream was from God. And this vision is very clear that Paul and Silas and now Luke are supposed to go to Macedonia and reach the people there. So the reality here is that sometimes you have to make a decision before you have gathered all of the information. And so Paul and Silas just decide. We don't know if they're told to go to these other cities that they're not allowed to, but they decide, hey, let's go into this place. So they go to this city in Asia, the province of Asia, and nothing is working, nothing's happening, nothing's going well, and they feel like, hey, we're in the wrong place, so hey, let's go over there. So they go over to this place, and they make a decision with the best of their abilities, with the best of the knowledge they have at the time, and nothing's working over here. And then at night, Paul has a dream that he should go to a different place. 
You see, sometimes in life, you and I have to simply make decisions before we have all the information. And we don't have to over-spiritualize that next move. Sometimes your next move is an educated guess. Sometimes your next move is over a cup of coffee with a friend that you trust that has a lot of wisdom. And it's you asking questions. Hey, do you think this would be wise for me to do? Hey, do you think this would be a right decision I feel like I'm supposed to do this. I feel like a lot of things in my life have pointed in this direction. What do you think? It's sitting down with wise counsel. It's sitting down with God's word. Again, it's trying to hear God's voice in as many different ways as we possibly can. But sometimes we simply need to make a decision and move. That if it's an open door, it's an opportunity that you get to have to walk through it. And if it's not the right one, then you pray the whole time, God, if this is not right, shut this door. Close it on me. Slam it in my face. Whatever you have to do, don't let me make a wrong decision. But don't let fear of making any decision keep me from moving in the right direction. See, sometimes Paul and Silas, they end up in the right place at the right time. And sometimes they hit a dead end. Sometimes they're doing exactly what Jesus called them to do. And it doesn't work. It's frustrating. There's some obstacle in the way. And what we have to understand is that just because you're in this room, just because you would consider yourself a Christian, it does not mean that everything in your life will end up perfect every time. That sometimes the decisions that we make do not end perfectly for us. That sometimes we make a decision and it may be the wrong decision. And we have to be willing to quickly shift directions, to adjust on the fly, to make course corrections. There's simply moments where we go with what we know, and what we know isn't the full picture. But instead of being fearful and paralyzed of making the wrong decision, we move in the direction that we feel is best. But the thing I love in this story is that God is not angry with Paul and Silas. We, we don't see where God is upset that Paul and Silas went into a region that happened to be the wrong place at the wrong time. God simply moves them to the right place. And what you'll experience in life, what I have experienced multiple times in my life, is that disappointments oftentimes are divine appointments in disguise. That oftentimes in our lives, the things that you and I go through, the disappointments that we have, the frustrations that we experience, the, the, the thing that happened at work that shouldn't have happened and the wrong person got the promotion and you somehow get let go and the other thing happens and then this situation takes place or the relationship that falls apart that you didn't understand at the time of why this didn't work the way that you dreamt it would work. Why did this not happen? Why did this college choice not work out? Whatever it is, oftentimes disappointments are divine appointments in disguise. And we can't see it in the moment. We're so frustrated and angry and upset with God and upset with everyone else that we didn't get our way. Because we thought that this would be it. Personally speaking, we were part of a, a church plant. I've shared this before, but we were part of a church plant. Uh, several years ago in our hometown, place in Ohio that we grew up. I thought this was going to be the place that 
we were going to move, raise our family in the, in the place that I grew up in and the place that my, my parents still live in the same place that I was born in. I thought, man, this is going to be stability. We're around family. This is the place. We're going to put our roots down. We will never move again. That was three moves ago. And so we'll never move again. About a year and a half into that experience, we realized that that was not where God wanted us. And so we had to walk away from it. Now, did the church fail? No, church is thriving to this day. It's doing great. But our experience there ended. And so for me, that was failure. I was in a bad place at the time. Emotionally and spiritually, I was not in a great place. I was angry with God. I couldn't see what was going on. Why did this happen? How did this unfold this way? God, what are you doing? God, you're messing up again on this one. God, you don't see it the way I see it. God, you're not fixing it the way I need you to fix it. What I realized is I needed to have that experience so that I could go to the next experience. And in the next experience, there was actually a bad experience in there that made me frustrated and angry and upset. But that experience led me to this experience. And I couldn't have done this experience without that one or that one. I needed both of those experiences to get me to where I am today. And I'll explain that in just a moment of why that's important. But see, for something in us, in order for something in us to click, in order for something in us to register, in order for us to hear the voice of God the way we need to, I firmly believe that there needs to be this convergence. There needs to be this intersection of the right thing at the right time in the right place with the right people. There needs to be this connection in our lives, this intersection, this convergence of being in the, doing the right thing, being in the right place at just the right time with the right people. And what I experienced, just personally, what I experienced was I was in a great place doing, doing great things, but it wasn't going to be the right thing for us. And as frustrating as it was, being several years now removed, I can look back and see God's hand all over it. And I can see God's direction all over it. As much as I fought him and fought him and fought him, he was moving me. And what I've realized over life is that God will oftentimes close certain doors to protect us, to redirect us, or to keep us from less than his best. And what God was doing in this situation over here was he was, he was protecting us and he was redirecting us. And then in this experience, when we were living in Arizona, I got to meet the people that we eventually planted this church with. And if we wouldn't have had that experience in that time frame, if we wouldn't have learned how to love people the way that we learned how to love people in that church, we never would have planted this church. And we would never have been the church that we are to this day of, of loving our community and loving others and being extremely generous as a church. We wouldn't be this kind of church if it wasn't for that experience. As painful as that one was, it was God protecting me and redirecting me again. Because all along what God was trying to do and all along what God is trying to do for you is he's trying to get you to the place where it's his best for you. Because God wants his best for you. God wants you to live in his best. He wants you to experience his best. 
And oftentimes the situation that we find ourselves in when they start to fall apart and there's tension and there's frustration and there's anger and there's resentment and it just feels like another obstacle. It's not his best. He's trying to move us. He's trying to get our attention. And sometimes just simply there's a set of circumstances where God is saying no. He is clearly trying to say no to you and you are just refusing to hear it. And there's other times where he's not necessarily saying no. He's saying, hey, not right now. Not in this place. Or not with these people. Or not at this time. But it's not a flat out no. It's just the not yet. There's, there's something that's off in the equation. But I know this, that if God wants you to hear something, God will absolutely repeat himself. If you've ever thought, man, did I just miss God in that experience? Maybe I should have done this. Did I just not hear him correctly? If God needs to say something to you back then, he will say it to you again. And he will say it to you again. And he will say it to you again until you can finally hear it. If God wants you to know something, he will repeat himself as many times as necessary. And that's why you and I have to be so in tune with his voice. It's why we need to be in his word and reading scripture and developing daily habits of sitting down and listening to God's voice through his word. It's why we need to filter the people in our life that, that have the influential words in our lives. We have to filter those out because we need to be hearing God through the voice of others in our lives. It's why we need to be in tune with our passions and our giftings and what are the things that God has put inside of you that he wants you to do. What is the passion in you? What is the gift in you that he's saying, I need you to do this in order to grow my kingdom? We need to be in tune with that because that's his voice again speaking to us. And we need to hear him clearly through the obstacles, through the challenges, through the open doors, through the closed doors, through the frustrations in life. I had a, I had a boss in my first church I ever worked at and and my boss would do something that I thought was kind of peculiar, and I kind of shook it off for a while. And after a while, I finally asked him, because every time that there was a church looking to hire someone, he would come to me and say, hey, Dave, you should go interview with so-and-so and check out this position. And after a while, I thought, he was, I thought at first he was just being nice. And then after a while, I'm like, hey, are you trying to get rid of me? Because I feel like you are telling me to go interview for other jobs. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not trying to get rid of you. I, I want you to go have this experience. And, and we had this conversation. He said something to me that I will never forget. It has guided me through so many difficult moments in life. And he said this to me, Dave, an open door is just an opportunity. An open door is just an opportunity. You aren't committing to anything. You are just walking through it. And when he said that to me, it changed my view because I thought, God, in order for me to go in this direction, I need to know everything I need to know. I need to know everything you know. And so, God, can you just give me everything right now? And what God wanted me to do is what God was trying to get Paul and Silas to do was, hey, just make a decision. Just go in a direction. And then be in tune enough with me that you can hear me when I say no. But don't just sit back and be frozen and make no decision because making no decision is making a decision to do nothing. So God is trying to say to you and I, the same way he's saying to Paul, hey, listen, there are things that you need to do that you just need to start walking towards. Hey, there's this career opportunity. I'm not sure what I should do, but this company called. Call them back. Well, I mean, I don't want to commit. You're not committing. You're just making a phone call. 
oh, so-and-so wants to have coffee with me and talk about this opportunity, then have coffee, especially if they're buying. <laughs> have coffee. Buy lunch. Don't tell them, but then buy lunch on their bill. Like, just, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's rude. <laughs> but sometimes we simply need to begin to move. Again, Jesus said, go and do. Not go and wait for all the details and then do. Go and do. And then God, knowing that God wants the best for us, God will clearly begin to speak to us as we are moving. I love that Paul and Silas went to a a town to do the same thing that they just did in the previous town. And for whatever reason, it didn't work there. How frustrating would that be? To go and do the thing that God told you to go and do, but it didn't work here the way it worked over there. And then go over here, and it doesn't work again. But finally, they were so in tune with God's voice that God clearly spoke to them of where they were to go to next. So for me, I just believe that God closes certain doors in our lives. That God will close certain doors in our lives to protect us. He will close certain doors in your life to redirect you. And he will close certain doors in your life to keep you from less than his best. That there are just some things that maybe your heart is just so intent on doing. And God is trying to get your attention to say it is less than his best. This is not what he wants for you. And you have to be in tune with his voice to hear it. So how do we identify that? How do we identify that? Before we close and pray, how do we identify what's healthy? How do we identify what's helpful? You ask questions. We do this all the time. And I think we just, in life, we just fail to ask the right questions. So you ask questions. You ask questions like, is this the right thing for me to do? Is this thing right here, is this the right thing for me to do? Is this the right time for me to do it? Is the timing right, right now? If if you have a bunch of young kids in your home, it may not be the best time to go and do something. If you just started a new job, it may not be the best time for you to start something else, to take on new responsibilities, to overcommit yourself. We just need to ask these questions, and we need to ask other people these questions. If you're married, you should be sitting down with your spouse saying, hey, is it the right time for me to take on another hobby? Is this the right time for me to say yes to this opportunity? Is there anything that I'm not seeing? And if you're a guy, there's a lot of things that you're probably not seeing. You need to ask. Is this the right thing? Is this the right time? Is this the right place? Is this the right place? I can tell you that I was in places when, when I asked God, God, is this the right place for me to do this? It was no. And it was frustrating. But it was God trying to protect me. God trying to redirect me to get me to the place where I would be in his best. God, is this the right person? God, am I the right person to do this? You see, when you start to ask those types of clarifying questions, You start to understand God's voice. You start to hear God's voice through the obstacle, through the challenge, through the closed door, through the open door, through the frustration, and through the pain. See, God will never ask you to do something that will break a promise. He will never ask you to do something to compromise integrity. 
that God will lead you to his best. I'm so grateful. And not in any, any sense of, of pride or ego. I am so grateful that I eventually landed here. Because I feel, personally, that I am in God's best for me. That I am exactly where God wants me to be, at just the right time, at just the right place, doing just the right thing. And when I take a big step back, I look at my life of all the frustrations and obstacles and pain and all these different times where I thought God was wrong. And I can see him protecting me. I can see him redirecting me. I can see him moving me towards his best. And that is exactly what he's doing to you. He is trying to get your attention. He's trying to speak to you. And he's trying to move you towards his best. Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by it. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated on all that's happening at South Hills Burbank.